You're listening to the Bold Face Truth Podcast with Amy Green Smith, episode 488. You can find information on anything referenced in this week's episode at amygreensmith.com slash EP488. Oh, well, hey there. Check you out listening to self-help pods and working on yourself. Fuck yeah. Quick question. You know those situations where your boss asks you to take on one more thing or your partner asks what's bothering you and you respond with a bold-faced lie? Oops. What would shift for you if you actually started telling the bold-faced truth? Everything. Listen, if you struggle with people-pleasing, perfectionism, and you could use some help with boundaries or speaking up, you are in the right place. Thank God. I am Amy Green-Smith. I'm a certified and credentialed life coach, hypnotherapist, and keynote speaker. Fancy. And I've been working in the personal development space since the mid-2000s. Vintage. Sometimes I'll be solo, other times you'll hear from smart folks offering you easy-to-implement tools to help you tell the bold-faced truth. Yes! Well, hello, pod people. Amy here, and I am back at you with another topic that is surrounding worthiness or enoughness having value, feeling like you matter, feeling like you deserve things, sometimes even believing that you are lovable. We oftentimes will use a lot of words like that synonymously that are all relevant towards our worth. And last week, we talked about how that related to speaking up for yourself, finding your voice, actually using it, establishing boundaries. And this week, we're going to talk about how it relates to emotional intelligence. And I talked about this just briefly last week, but I really thought that it warranted a deep dive because if you are like many of us, you grew up in a culture that didn't really applaud emotional intelligence. In fact, what we advocate for is what I like to call the cognitive override, where we value logic, reason, rationale, scientific deductive reasoning, all of those things as opposed to giving any credence to intuition or emotional intelligence. Now, I'm not saying that logic and reason aren't things that we need. Of course we need them. But they are housed in the conscious part of our mind. They're not a part of the bulk of our mind's power, which is the subconscious mind, which is what we're going to be digging into next week, which I'm really thrilled. It's very kind of science-y. I like to call it witchy witchy science, <laughs> where it's a little woo, it's a little science. And we'll be digging into that a lot next week. But for this week, I want you to be thinking about the messages that you've received about emotions throughout your childhood. If you are like many elder millennials or Gen X folks, it's likely that there was only one permissible emotion, and that was happiness, and everything else, you kind of had to sweep under the rug or else there was going to be some sort of punitive damage that occurs. Now, you may be familiar with the book Atlas of the Heart by Brene Brown, Our Lady Brene of House Brown, as I lovingly refer to her. And she wrote this book, Atlas of the Heart, specifically to create a reference manual, a vade mica of emotions for the layman. She did a study, a research study on 7,000 individuals, and she asked them, how many emotions are you capable of naming? How many do you think 
on average people could name. I'm thinking, I don't know, maybe 10, 15, three. Three emotions on average taken from a sample of 7,000 individuals. Guess what they were? Mad, glad, and sad. So I think we can all agree that that's a very rudimentary understanding of our emotional capacity, which is why I think this topic is really important. Because when we don't understand the power of our emotions and what they are actually designed to do, we make massive conclusions when we feel something uncomfortable and we make those conclusions about our worth. And we're going to dig into that a lot today. But the first thing that I want to talk about here is that if we're discussing the difference between feeling not enough or believing that you are not enough, the difference there is that our emotions are fleeting. They are temporary. And if you want to think about this like any child that you may have great affection for, no doubt there have been times when said child has scribbled crayons all over the wall. And in that moment, you feel a flood of fury, right? An emotional release, something that's coming to the surface to give you information about what is actually transpiring. Now, conversely, beliefs, believing you are not enough, a belief is not fleeting. It is anchored to us until we choose to change them. Think about any type of belief you've ever held, whether it was a religious belief or even a belief in the Easter Bunny or the Tooth Fairy. There has to become a time when that belief switches and you, are, you gain new information in order to create a new belief system or that belief remains anchored for all time. So that means that if you've developed a belief that is anchored into the subconscious mind, and again, we'll be digging into that a lot more next week, the subconscious mind is a majority of our mind's power. It's roughly 90 to 95%. So that means that our beliefs that are housed there are running the show. So if you created a belief early on in your life that you are not enough, that you don't matter, that you're not valuable, that you're not worthy, that will remain true until you decide to unpack it and create a new reality for yourself. And again, next week, we'll talk about what does that actually look like scientifically with neural pathways and with how the theory of mind works. So feelings are fleeting. Beliefs are anchored to us. Again, with that same child, I'm sure you have had experiences, whether it's your own child, niece or nephew, somebody you care about, where you have an almost like a heart explosion, like an overabundance of love for said child. And I feel those little moments like that with, with Mr. Smith, with my partner, where I feel so enveloped with this feeling of intense love and adoration. But that intensity does not sustain. It is only fleeting. Feelings are fleeting. Beliefs are anchored to us, which is why we do a deep, deep dive 
in my signature program, which is called Worthy, on altering our beliefs. Another reason why I'm such a proponent for hypnosis is because it allows us to access that subconscious faculty of the mind and create change much faster. We can do it consciously, but we can do it much, much faster with hypnosis, which is why it's very much infused into the entirety of that program, which we'll talk about a little bit more later. But let's talk about number two, the role of emotions. Like, Why do we have these intense experiences that show up that feel either euphoric or painful or sometimes funny or sometimes stressful? They feel all different ways. But oftentimes what we'll do is we'll take how we feel and then we assign a truth to that. And that is oftentimes how beliefs are formed. But if you look at our culture, and I'm speaking largely about the U.S., but I know it's not selective just to our country, we look at emotions as something that is overtly feminine and In a very patriarchal society, we try to avoid anything that could be labeled feminine. So even if you see folks who are being interviewed on television, let's say, and they start tearing up a little bit, the first thing they say is, I'm sorry. Excuse me, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. And the other person almost always says something to the effect of, oh, no, don't cry, or oh, my gosh, no, no, no. And that is because... We have not learned how to be in relationship with our emotions in a positive way, in an empowering way, and we view them as something we need to escape. I have a metaphor that you may have heard me talk about before that I think really illustrates the idea of what the role of emotions really are intended to be for us as guidance versus what we typically make them mean. You may have heard me talk about my house analogy or my house metaphor. So it goes like this. Essentially, who you are, I want you to depict that as a house. Imagine that you are a house and there are some rooms that maybe you don't want anyone to see. And then there are the certain rooms that you show off to everyone. And all the nooks and crannies are unique to you. Now, When we experience things that carry an uncomfortable emotion, that is like folks coming along and dropping off a giant pile of shit on your porch. Now, I don't know about you, but as far as I'm concerned, I'm not accepting any piles of shit, and I'm certainly not going to bring them into my beautiful home. That is like experiencing loss or rejection, or ridicule, or setbacks, or being passed over for a job that you really wanted, or somebody asking for a divorce or a separation, or saying they don't want to be friends anymore. Those sort of human experiences carry an emotional weight. And the emotional weight oftentimes feels like shit. But what we do, more often than not, is we scoop up that shit and we walk with it right into our house and sully our home. And essentially what we're doing in the real life, what this is emblematic of, is us 
believing that if we feel uncomfortable, if we feel a sense of rejection, overwhelm, stress, even lethargy, sadness, jealousy, shame, if we feel any of those things, we take that fleeting situation that we have and then we make grand meta statement about who we are. So let's say you are passed over for a job that you really, really wanted. That is a fleeting emotion of disappointment and sadness that you're experiencing. But we usually take that fleeting experience and we go, that must mean that Amy Greensmith is not worthy, is not enough. We make this meta belief about who we are instead of saying what's more appropriate and saying, wow, this situation was really, really painful. I'm hurt by this and I know I'm still a worthy individual or and I know that I'm still enough. I may not have met the criteria for this specific job situation, but that doesn't mean I'm not valuable or I'm not worthy. And then the task at hand becomes processing the pain, which again, in our culture, we don't advocate. We don't say, hey, why don't you go journal that out for a while? Or why don't you talk to a therapist about that? Or why don't you just paint or create something, do some music and see if you're able to process what you're feeling? We don't do that. We like to close the loop. We want to put a stamp on it that says, nope, because I experienced that thing that carried that emotion, that must mean I'm not worthy. We want to tidy it up. We want to close that loop, close that circle, and end the story. And then what do we do? Then we live into that because that has become a belief. It's become anchored in, cemented, that you are not enough. And now, because that's a belief, we look outside of ourselves to confirm that belief. We keep going, see, they don't love me. Or see, of course, that would happen at work because I'm not good enough. We silence ourselves then because we don't think that we're good enough. So all of this stuff is very, very intertwined. Now, conversely, let's say somebody shows up to your house with a beautiful, beautiful gift, and they leave that on your porch. That is like experiencing things in life that carry fun and comfortable emotions. That's like somebody saying that they do love you or proposing to you or giving you that job or asking you if you want to hang out more often because you're a damn good friend. Those sorts of experiences will also carry emotion, and they're usually the opposite end of the spectrum. They are one of euphoria or happiness or joy or excitement or wonder or awe. And those emotions tend to be more comfortable. Now, we can choose to bring that into the house because it feels good. And I don't know about you, but I want more things that feel fucking good. However, either one of those things are just going to change the experience inside the house. They don't change the value of the home. If you choose to bring that shit into your life and you make it mean, if I'm feeling something uncomfortable, that must mean I'm not enough, you're going to stink up your own home. If you bring in these beautiful gifts, this beautiful vase that somebody gave you, 
and put it on your mantle place, it's adding an element to your home, but it has not changed the value. Without either one of those things, the house still has an intrinsic worth. That is what I'm talking about when I'm saying that we have our worthiness and then outside of that is only human experience. And all human experience carries emotion. Number three, let's talk about what emotions actually are. They are simply messaging. Like I have told you probably a million times before, they are essentially there to say, hey, bitch, pay attention. This is either really awesome or really shitty or really stressful, and I need you to recognize this. That way we notice, like, wow, I feel a lot of emotional pain at this workplace or around this family member so that we can course correct. Or, wow, this disempowering thought that I'm unlovable isn't really helping me in the dating scene. I keep attracting emotionally unavailable people. Or why? I wonder why. Just like physical pain is a message, so too is emotional pain. If you have a horrible, horrible toothache, that's not your body's way of saying like, haha, we're just going to make life hard on you. It's like, bitch, pay attention. Get your ass to the dentist. There's something awry. It's not going well in here. We need, we need your support. So just as asinine as it would be to get mad at your tooth for hurting, it's just as ridiculous to get mad at yourself for feeling something uncomfortable. And much more useful tactic of the mind would be to ask, what is the message behind this emotion? What is this emotion trying to tell me? Sometimes it is, I need some rest. Sometimes it's, wow, I need to really rethink this friendship. Sometimes it's, wow, I really do have an anger issue. I flew off the handle and it really wasn't that serious. This emotion is teaching me that I need more emotional regulation. Almost always, there is some sort of lesson that we can glean from what we feel. If we're feeling overwhelmed, stressed, anxious, that usually is an indication that you need to slow the fuck down, that you might need some rest. It's not to be pissed at the mountain of stuff that you need to do. That's where we usually direct it because we're feeling so stressed out. And so we get, that's like, again, getting mad at your tooth. It's not helpful. Let's go to the fucking dentist and fix the tooth issue. If you are overwhelmed, stressed, anxious, let's fix the thing that's causing that or mitigate it in some way. All right, so we understand that emotions are fleeting, but beliefs are anchored into our subconscious mind. That was number one. Number two, we recognize the role of emotions, that they are here to give us some messaging, but they're not equating to our self-worth, period. And we also are understanding that emotions are just here to deliver some sort of message. They're an indication to pay attention. Number four, we need to learn how to feel instead of fix. We are in a capitalist society. We are in a patriarchal society. Both of those things highly, highly value productivity. And so if you aren't churning things out, if you aren't fixing the problem and moving on, 
that will cater to your sense of not enoughness. I need to produce, 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 because that is what this culture has told me is valuable. I'm sure many of you have had this experience where you are chatting with a friend about, let's say, a really difficult issue that you've been having with your partner and you've been so frustrated and all you want is to be seen. You want to be heard. You want to be understood. But that other person just wants to fix it. Well, have you tried this? Oh, well, you shouldn't do that. You know what you need to do? You need to go do this. Blah, 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 blah. And they're trying to fix instead of feel because we have not been taught how to be with our emotions or be with other people while they're experiencing their humanity. And it's very similar to when you're doing some sort of physical exertion. Maybe you're doing a really, really difficult workout or you're going for a run. And there is a moment that all of us can relate to where we think we are actually done. I might die. I physically cannot go on anymore. And if you stay there, if you sit with it, dealing with that uncomfortable physicality, you will move beyond it and you will conjure more ability to stay with that discomfort. That is the same thing with emotional acuity. If you sit with it, you will realize that it is not going to take you out. It is not going to destroy you. And in fact, it's not going to stick around forever. It's just here to get its message across. Another way that we try to fix things is, instead of feeling, is by fixing uncomfortable emotional feelings with a physical feeling. Obviously, we have two different types of feeling, emotional, physical. So if I'm emotionally feeling overwhelmed, I might choose a physical feeling remedy like overdrinking overeating, relaxing, maybe for two weeks. Sometimes it's sex. Sometimes it's drugs. Sometimes it's adrenaline. How can I physically feel different? Because we have not conditioned or applauded understanding the nuance and the difference to feelings. Sometimes they're physical. Sometimes they're emotional. So because we don't have that acuity, We tend to conflate them. So if we are feeling lonely, an emotional feeling, we might physically try to remedy that by going for a run. Now, there's nothing wrong with blowing off steam through your physicality. However, you still have to address the emotional issue. So while you are running, tell yourself, I'm letting this go. I choose to move beyond this pain or I acknowledge this guilt that I'm feeling. I'm committed to working through it and then taking some time to contemplate or journal or toss it around with somebody who you highly respect. For this reason, you can probably look to a lot of your unwanted behaviors and find an emotion that's underneath that. And if you look at that emotion, it is probably tethered or that behavior is tethered to I'm not enough, a belief that I'm not worthy. What's the use? Who cares? I'm not going to be successful anyways. I might as well just not work on my business proposal this afternoon. And we become self-fulfilling prophecies. We must get into the process of 
feeling instead of fixing. And I'm going to give you a couple of challenges that I would like for you to take on for this week to start moving the needle here a little bit. But I want to also emphasize that if you've been listening to this and going, oh my God, this is almost like Greek to me, please know you are not alone. In fact, we spend in Worthy, my signature program, we spend at least four weeks specifically on emotional intelligence. And we dig into all of these messages we've received in our youth. We talk about how it applies directly to you. We do a bunch of inner child work. We do attachment theory, not to mention all of the forgiveness work for self and for others, belief work, values work. It is incredibly robust. But I will say that the main through line between all of my clients and students is there is some sort of deep-seated belief around I'm not enough, I'm not worthy, I'm not valuable, I don't matter. Sometimes it's I'm not good, like I'm innately bad. That can tend to be very, very prevalent if you've had a religious upbringing. But that is the through line. That's an epidemic, y'all, that we're all running around believing that we're not enough. That can fuck all the way off in my book because what we need are more women believing in their value, standing up and owning their motherfucking worth. But that is not going to happen just from accomplishment after accomplishment or relationship after relationship unless that relationship is with yourself. And what we tend to do instead of anchoring into that relationship with self is we do all of the external things. We either please everyone else or we try to be perfect for everyone else. We try to get all of these accolades and achievements so that maybe then we'll be worthy. If that is you and you know you need to change this bullshit, I highly encourage you to check out Worthy. Go to amygreensmith.com worthy. Get your name on the VIP list. Here's the deal. I'm going to have eight spots for this program. This program is nine months long. It is big. It is robust. It includes two all-inclusive in-person retreats. So yes, you heard that correctly. Two all-inclusive retreats. One is at a gorgeous lakeside estate that I've rented out the entire home. It has like nine bedrooms. It's stunning. It's right on Lake Gaston in North Carolina. It's right at the North Carolina-Virginia border. And then in May, we're going to be going to Puerto Vallarta to a gorgeous boutique resort that we went to last year. And I've been dying to get back there. But because I have some previous behind-the-scenes stuff worked out with some students and clients, three of those eight spots are gone. So once the application window opens, there will only be five spots available. And if you want to be the first to know, you need to get your happy ass onto that list. So go to amygreensmith.com slash worthy, and then you will have dibs and be able to apply first and foremost, before anyone else. In fact, I just yesterday heard from one of my previous worthy women who mentioned that she had spoken up in a big boardroom conference where it's highly male-dominated and she just did not stand for any of it. And that was not the case when we very first started our, our time together. So 
that does not happen without genuinely believing that you are worthy, that you matter. And if you're looking down the trajectory of your life and you can't keep doing this self-berating, hateful existence into the next year, five years, 10 years, something's got to give, right? We've been trained to believe all this shit about ourselves, but we can undo it. AmyGreensmith.com slash worthy. Get your name on that list. All right. Number five, how you feel is never wrong, as in you are bad or shameful for feeling what you feel. However, you are always responsible for your actions and how you feel is not necessarily the truth. Remember that example that I was talking about with the child who you just get so furious with? In that moment, you don't really hate that child. You, In fact, you never stopped loving that child. You just really didn't like that choice of behavior. It's fleeting. In the grand scheme of the relationship with that child, they are enough. They matter. You love them. In that one fleeting moment, however, there is an emotion that is in direct opposition to that. That is why when we are feeling like we're not enough, that doesn't necessarily mean that it's the truth. And if you are angry, you're allowed to be angry. You're never wrong for having that emotion. However, you are responsible. So you cannot go out and just key someone's car or burn all your ex's clothes on the front lawn. That is your responsibility. That's why emotional regulation and working with your emotions is incredibly important, which again is why we spend a solid month on it in Worthy. Okay, let's do a quick recap and then I'm going to give you your challenge of the week. Number one, feelings are fleeting as opposed to beliefs that are anchored into our subconscious unless we choose to change them, in which case they are 100% malleable. Number two, understanding the role of emotions, that they are not necessarily there for us to create a meta belief about who we are. Because number three, emotion, emotions are just messaging. They're here just like physical pain to say, hey, bitch, pay attention. There's stuff going on here. And that's the case if you feel really good, too. I realized that a new relationship that I've been kindling with a new friend, I feel fucking amazing every time I'm around her. Like, I just love being around her. That emotion is a message to me, too. Like, yeah, surround yourself with more people like her or her all the time if you can. Number four, we need to start feeling instead of fixing allowing yourself to actually process instead of doing that cognitive override. Number five, how you feel is never wrong. However, you are always responsible for your actions. And just because you feel a certain way, that doesn't necessarily mean that it's true. So that is why our worth stands outside of our emotions. If my best friend thinks that I'm the most amazing woman in the world. That feels incredible, but that does not make me worthy. If somebody thinks that I'm the worst human in the world, that sucks, that hurts, but it has nothing to do with me being worthy or not. My worthiness stands outside of 
all of those human experiences. So here are your challenges of the week. First of all, I want you to journal around this question or have a discussion with somebody about it. Do something where you're actually thinking about the application to your life. What am I making up about my worth because of how I feel? This can be hugely eye-opening, especially if you do this exercise as you experience multiple types of emotions. Maybe at one point, you are really, really overwhelmed at work, or maybe at another time, you are really sad because a friend wasn't there for you in a way that you really expected them to. In those moments, I want you to dissect the actual emotion. What am I making up about my worth because of how I feel? And again, in Worthy, we have all sorts of tools and tactics and exercises of how we start to unpack this and untangle it so that you have actionable tools in the moment to start figuring out what is actually happening to me. Because again, we're not taught this. We're not taught emotional intelligence. I also want you to start getting in the habit of naming your emotions. So either grab Atlas of the Heart by Brene or go online, download an emotions wheel. There are tons of them online. Grab one that you feel is really applicable. You can also get them in like a pillow or a magnet or all sorts of stuff, but you can download and print out a picture or keep it on your phone. Because we have to start acknowledging, okay, I'm feeling really, really uncomfortable. So what is the name of what I'm actually feeling and experiencing at this moment? What would I call this? Most of the time, we just lump it into mad, glad, or sad. So most emotions wheels will have like six or so kind of core emotions in the middle. And then they'll dovetail out into more nuanced versions. So for example, under anger, you might be also feeling critical or distant or frustrated or aggressive or threatened or hurt. So you can start at more of an elementary place of like, okay, I'm happy right now. I'm happy, but I don't know if I would call it peaceful. I might call it proud? Yeah, I'm actually really, really proud of that conference I just participated in, right? Like we have to go through that process of like, what, what is this that I'm actually feeling so that we can properly tend to it, which is either by advocating for ourselves or taking rest or doing something that we know will be calming to the nervous system. Once we know what we're dealing with, then we can start self-soothing and taking care of ourselves in a much more effective way. Those are your two assignments for the week. You either get Atlas of the Heart by Brene or download an emotions wheel or both. And then journal around, what am I making up about my worth because of how I feel? And I would encourage you to find instances when you have extreme emotion, not just, I don't know what I feel, I feel kind of bored. No, when you're really pissed at someone or you are really disappointed, when the emotion is quite potent, that's when you can dissect, what am I actually making this mean? There you have it. The difference between feeling not enough and believing that you're not enough and what to actually do about it. You have your homework cut out for you. 
I do so hope that I see you here next week where we're going to be talking about the subconscious mind and how the belief of I am not worthy, how that got there to begin with and what it's going to take to change it. Don't forget to go to amygreensmith.com slash worthy. Get your name on that VIP list if you are interested in vacationing with me and also changing your entire fucking life. I would absolutely be honored to be your guide. Again, amygreensmith.com slash worthy. And in the meantime, I will be waiting to drop another beautiful episode on you next week. So please remember, you are enough. Your voice matters. So go out there and speak your bold-faced truth. Okay, wait, wait, wait. Just one more thing. So these podcasts, it turns out, don't actually rate and review themselves. So I would be over the moon if you would leave a review, rate the show, subscribe, and tell anyone you know who needs to start speaking the fuck up for themselves. And if you do, I will give you a mini pig. Just kidding, but I will be so very incredibly grateful. Okay, thank you. Bye.